I V M. Folks, welcome and thank you for joining us on the Ideas Project, a limited series by Smallcase. I'm your host Anubhav Gupta, and today we are joined by Madhu Sudhanan R. Madhu is the founder of M2P FinTech. Madhu has been in banking for many, many years now, and is at the forefront of this current wave of the FinTech boom in India, making him the perfect person to talk about the oncoming disruption in the banking sector. What can we expect? What's causing this disruption? What could be the turning point for it all stay tuned after the break to find out and welcome back hey madhu thanks for doing this welcome to the show hi anupam great to be here looking forward to our conversation let's get started madhu i mean what's been happening this what do you think is or has been the most disruptive thing in fintech right now something you know that you feel is going to change the sector as a whole going forward uh, i think uh, i mean if i just have to talk specifically on india we define what india fintech is going through as you know we seeing the second order effects of what fintech can do right and the reason why it's important is because in most other markets including the west they have foundational challenges with fintechs are addressing so in the us if you send money it doesn't reach for two days right like when was the last time you experienced that in india right so the foundational challenges are still very heavy duty in, in the us and most parts of western markets therefore fintechs are solving for that and the value extraction story is very different because they are really going after the bank but in india if you look at you don't really worry about most of the aspects that affect you as a regular bank customer is actually solved for right like payments you can't make it any efficient than what upi is doing right there's no arbitrage on time money or you know speed uh, so therefore innovators and you know founders who are working on fintech ideas we really have to solve for more more i can do uh, which naturally means that you and i as customers are going to get better products better experiences or maybe you know most more cost effective product right and that's where the excitement is because technology is this great leveler uh, you know if you just take from another industry you know you would have noticed just with the just concluded ipl everybody right you and me were watching ipl when you are taking a uber uh, when the driver is parked his car he is also watching the same game right therefore it kind of accelerates adoption of you know tech enabled products and that's what technology does and moment you have innovators coming in and you know doing that inclusion is going to happen you know significantly that's the excitement as far as i'm concerned yeah if you look at the past if you look at how disruption has already affected banks and if that gives you any hint of what lies in the future i mean let's talk about the past for example how has disruption really affected the banks in india till date yeah i think uh, so the the nature of these partnerships are also evolving right i think it's more to do with the maturity and just kind of clinging on to the earlier point 10 years ago if you actually looked at fintech and some of those businesses have just gone public right like a, you know someone like a paisa bazaar i'm just using as an example they were a distribution partnership they were probably the first fintech right it had taken them 10 years to mature and go public as a company uh, but today those partnerships have evolved where from a distribution you are actually started doing more and more of core you know banking functions right there could be somebody providing a data product which will help the bank underwrite the customer better or risk products where you know somebody who is defaulting in multiple banks on the fly can you get to know so that you are able to underwrite that better so there is more and more adoption of tech that's happening which naturally means that the products are getting better at bank and it is unlike in other parts of the world it is actually co-opt and co-live and co-exist Than compete, you know. That's that's the way India is actually evolving, and it's charting a new path 
you know, actually the world will adopt the India model, you know, in, in some time in the future. Yeah. When I look at banks, what does this entire process of unbundling look like? And are the incumbents also following the same strategy? Yeah, I mean, so I think the incumbents in some way will be forced to, you know, adopt some of this, right? And uh, there are two or three external factors that can drive it, right? Like one, we had one event in, you know, demonetization where the government started mandating that, you know, you need to onboard so many merchants. So there are macro factors that drive some of this adoption where even if you're a, uh, you know, old school private or a public sector bank, you're forced into adopting some of this. It comes as top down. Or there is customer adoption that is driving it, right? Like exactly the same UPA example a few years ago, we always had challenges. We didn't really worry whether you had an account with State Bank of India or an ICICI bank or any other bank. You, if you're on Google Pay, you can link up your account and use it. So all banks had to move to a certain common sort of standard, right? So, so there is some bit of market pressure that is playing out. You may say that some banks could say, I don't want to participate in a particular business, but you have to ring fence and protect. I mean, everyone has that mandate to ring fence and protect their business. Uh, so therefore, that is where I think, you know, the envelope is getting pushed in terms of saying, can we keep raising the bar or what that minimum should be so that, you know, everybody kind of benefits from that. This digital expansion versus branch coverage, you know, so the advantages of going digital versus increasing the branch coverage, what do you think are the considerations that need to be taken into account? I think this whole, you know, uh, in my mind, it's overdone, uh, you know, in terms of saying, you don't wake up thinking every day, Acha, may Ajik, right? Like, that's not how people, consumers think about it, right? Uh, and if if things are going well, you don't really want to upset that Apple card, right? Because there are so many other things tied in. You might have a standing instruction. You might have a home loan running on it. So nobody is thinking about saying, you know, how do I change this radically, right? But at the same time, if you have to keep pace with how, you know, things are evolving, how many of the new customers are coming into the bandwagon, right? So going back to the same example that Uber driver three years ago may not have had a bank account, right? Because Uber settlements had to go into a bank account, he adopted, you know, a bank account. Now, uh, RBI recently came out with a guideline that said banks can open digital banking units as a separate, you know, business unit within the bank. So you have retail bank, you have a corporate bank, every bank is, that's the structure. Now you are also going to have something called as a digital banking unit, right? Whether that comes out as a separate business unit, some of the private banks have already done this, right? Like a Kotec has a separate charter on 811, right? A separate team, separate product. A bunch of banks have done that, right? Uh, now there is a regulatory framework to say, if you have to drive this, how do I drive this? Then it boils down to, are there new people coming into the, you know, sort of ecosystem who could be serviced differently from how it was done earlier? So how do you move away and carry a lot of the people digitally so that you're able to serve more customers at the same sort of cost. And a lot of the branch expansion did not happen because once you become below a certain you know, economic strata, the cost of operating a branch never sort of added up. Right? So it was all, always a balancing act that banks used to do where every branch I need to X, have X number of customers at Y balance sheet for, for it to be profitable. So when you do that digitally, you know that cost equation kind of goes out of the window and you are able to service more customers. And that's the you know excitement around digital bank itself. And do you think that there'll come a time where a fintech, you know, fintech can actually become a full-blown bank? or And why isn't it happened yet? Is it because of RBI regulations or what? Yeah, license. Generally, India has been conservative in the way if we have given out licenses, right? Like history, historically, other than, you know, prior, you know, the SFBs and payment banks, if you look at full-flown licenses, very few and far in between have been sort of given out uh, for whatever, you know, sort of right reasons or wrong reasons. But I think there is, we are primed for, you know, some of these fintechs evolving into 
almost like a digital bank. Today, they are they are only a skin on top of an existing bank that because that's the regulatory charter. Uh, but I think the market forces and the execution will allow you know some rethinking to happen. And also, regulators generally sort of will learn from other regulators, right? If some other market, some things have worked and it has, it, what's the mandate that the regulator carries, right? They have to ensure that the fund, you know, fund custodianship is done well. They have to ensure banking access and inclusion is driven, right? So if technology is going to do that, if there are proof points to say, yes, by giving out these licenses, there is going to be more access that is going to get enabled. Uh, I think they will be open for it. There is already some, you know, noise around it from a policy circle standpoint. But they don't operate with that. It's not a quarter-on-quarter quarter sort of appraisal, right? It's not like though quarter may I think, or maybe it comes in a five with a five-year window. I think the hope for a number of neo banks also is that at a certain scale, and when the licensing happen, there is maturity in that market from a regulatory standpoint. Uh, they would be able to go out and seek that licenses because they would have kind of created that customer base. Yeah, let's talk about a yeah. hot topic now, which is basically customer experience. If that's the leading reason for uh, disruption in the first place, right? Because, or the lack of it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about, right? Because customer experience with traditional banking, my God. Um, yeah. So. You know, is that the need for disruption? And what are the services that we even still in this day and age, in 2022, when UPI is very where it is and digital payments are where they are in India? What are the things that we still need to go to the bank for? And, you know, can that be disrupted going forward? Yeah, I think uh, practically most of a retail customers' needs are, you know, are kind of met, right? Like if you're a salaried person, you virtually don't have a need to go to a bank. I mean, I've not, I used to work for City in 2009, I converted my sal- payroll account into a regular account. I have not visited that bank branch after that, like in 13 years, right? So wow. most people, that's the case. Uh, but, you know, you might have, you know, some other aspects for which you may have to visit the branch. But that's where technology can play a role, right? Where it can start disrupting. But the challenge is that, you know, I had a sort of Twitter banter with somebody who had posted saying some bank had made a, you know, announcement on their quarterly results. They said, you should focus on, you know, making your app better. And we said, you know, the bank is focusing on, you know, what their mandate is, which is building the balance sheet, making more money. They're delivering shareholder value. But the reality is that there's an entire world that lives outside the, you know, outside the Twitter, you know, sort of ecosystem, right? Uh, So therefore, the broader purpose from enabling banking access is, you know, is kind of moving in the right direction. Of course, apps are crappy and uh, they have to sort of, you know, get better, right? Uh, but I think that is where a lot of the, you know, pushing the envelope will come from fintechs as well, right? So if you don't upgrade, uh, you know, you're going to lose that customer. That fear is real in most CDOs when we talk to, right? So they they realize that they have to upgrade. Uh, they realize that, you know, this is a need. Uh, and they all are on social media. They just don't, they, they duck, you know, they don't say that they work for X bank mm. or Y bank, but they all read all kinds of customer sort of uh, interactions and responses. Yeah. Let's talk about neobanks, Madhu. Um, where do they fit in the current banking system, right? Where does, for example, M2P FinTech come into the picture and how is M2P FinTech involved in changing how India thinks about banking? Yeah, yeah. I think the, uh, so as I said, you know, the whole neobanks in the West is very different. Uh, they all have licenses. Some of them have licenses and they can build out like uh, competing with the regular banks. In India, currently the framework of regulation, uh, it is only a layer on top of an existing bank. So you could have a partnership with a bank as a neobank but offer superior experiences, offer, you know, great, you know, promotional campaign, run promotional campaigns, uh, give customer, uh, you know, personalized sort of services. Like, for example, can private banking, which is only for the elite first top 1%, can technology enable you to offer that to, you know, to the masses, right? So that 
they can have you know better saving and investment you know products available so i think the uh, the experience layer and how financial products can get integrated today uh, when you walk into a branch you are actually have a mental you know sort of model that they're going to sell you an insurance or a mutual fund right so that's what they do right they realize fee income by cross selling up selling products that you know there are like 50 products that a bank branch might have right but when it comes to mobile you can't have you know you can't have 50 inventory you know skus on the app right so you basically have to personalize it and technology allows you to hyper personalize it also uh, there's a platform called account aggregator which is just taking shape in india uh, which will allow you to link all your bank accounts into one user interface right which means that when you open a bank account with bank a you can also say bank b c and d i have bank you know i want to pull in all those relationships and give me one unified view right so it actually gives you a lot of information you might not even know that you are spending x spending y you know spending in these categories so it allows you to budget so different profile of customers you know you can meet different needs by just using technology i think that's where a lot of the focus will go into and that's what new banks are focusing on and our role is to sort of be that enabler which will you know sit in the middle and you know orchestrate some of these new playbooks yeah sounds exciting what do you think you know if it does happen what would a fintech powered bank look like so i mean we are already in the middle of it right so everybody keeps saying <laughs> web3 and you know metaverse and all that right we are already in the middle of it in terms of that disruption happening we don't notice it so you're let's say you're ordering food on swiggy swiggy can store money for you right so you can keep that balance in your swiggy wallet that's actually a piggy bank right so in some ways without us realizing that we are having these financial products embedded into our journeys and over time i believe that the whole banking and the payment for example will you know will become invisible right so you don't have to do this otp and finally we'll have some solution to not receiving the otp where magic will start happening when you're ordering food or ordering goods online the technology will enable it to be powered you know by itself right ultimately what are you establishing when you do a card number and otp is that you are saying that i am who i am take the money from this you know financial address right can that financial address be delivered technologically differently right can it just link up your mobile and you know some other id your device fingerprinting along with your biometrics can the same experience be rendered technology has a solve for it now it needs broader adoption for everybody to start using it right? that's where it will get exciting and you know that's where the market is moving yeah so from an investors or a shareholder perspective like you said given where the market is moving what should one or how should one evaluate banks you know with neo banks coming into the fray so for now i think neo banks are not posing any serious threat from a bank partnership standpoint uh, obviously some of the fee income will have to be shared with them they are providing experience but if you look at uh, the partnerships that banks have with neo banks today most of those banks had actually missed out from a large branch you know expansion playbook right it could be i would say a very small bank but a mid sized private bank which is partnering with a fintech so for them it's net addition they were not making that revenue uh, it's a additional line of revenue through a new channel of distribution that has got enabled right so from a banker's lens for minimal or no capital expenditure or you know operating expense i'm able to cream more customers and therefore more fee income revenue and potentially future cross sell opportunity that's the, what the you know neo banks are doing today so therefore you know the winners from a you know neo banking wave could be the tier 2 banks in the private space which will which has the relevant technology and they have certain level of trust ultimately for you to run a banking product you need that bank name to also be slightly you know more you know familiar right so you can't run a small bank from let's say punjab and go to tamil nadu and you know try and say that you are a bank right so people yeah. will think that you're scamming them right so there, there has to be a reasonably large you know trustable brand that should be associated with 
and i believe that you know those partnerships will actually become very symbiotic and you know will lead to a lot of value creation for both the bank as well as the fintech partner if you know if you were to do some crystal ball gazing where things are currently what are some aspects or some problems or some issues whatever right now in the banking system or in the banking um, experience that we should keep an eye on i'm saying that you know if this problem or this process or this whatever it is if this is if it's being solved and if it were to be properly solved then it would change banking forever you know can you think of some areas or anything here see uh, india is a consumption credit market right so there is going to be more uh, with growth there is going to be new you know sort of wave of people who are going to come into that emerging middle class segment uh, you're going to have more consumption spends that are going to happen which naturally points to more credit the need for more credit at that point of sale right so we are very very poor you know coverage or with respect to credit cards for example right or for that matter generally unsecured lending businesses we are really poor right like just to give you a comparison uh, us is like 7 or 8 trillion dollars in you know payment volume on cards alone right vis-a-vis india is about 200 to 50 billion right so we are not nowhere close to what potential scale it can get to so therefore there's a lot of action that is that's where if you see most of the fintechs are gravitating towards lending it's not because there is money in it that remains the most unsolved problem even today right so therefore uh, there is going to be value unlocking that's going to happen with maybe dozens of fintechs solving for credit in a differentiated manner it's not just for people like you and me who are buying goods online it is that supplier of of that product right so how smes are getting financed how a fleet yeah. operator is getting financed right So in, in in across all of these levels, you know, if you sort of start peeling the onion, you will find that fintechs are trying to disrupt how you know. But disruption does not necessarily mean somebody's lunch is taken away. It's actually market making as well, right? So therefore, uh, you might have a new segment getting created on credit which was completely non-existent, and suddenly somebody is trying to sort of you know capture and you know uh, manage that opportunity. I think that's where the India sort of story will sort of lie as, as far as fintech is concerned. Yeah. So you spoke about credit. You spoke about loans. You spoke about especially consumer credit. There are enough trends that point towards almost every company or every startup becoming a fintech company, offering um, yeah. fintech. What What do you think about that? I mean, see, the thing is, there are two kind of ways to look at it, right? One is uh, whenever you do financial services, there is an inherent trust that gets built in. So the brand affinity. actually sort of grows right people will start trusting that more brand uh, you know when you give somebody you know uh, when you're trusting somebody with your money likely that you're not trusting that person or the brand even more than any you know a brand that is not doing it so that's one aspect so reason why airlines to co brand is that it drives loyalty right so without you realizing you're actually you know buying into your a ticket for your free holiday right so that's the that's the premise with which why airlines to co brand right co branded credit cards so that trust is an important element as far as uh, companies are concerned and once you extend that you know the economic model in a lot of these products are fairly valid right like if you are lending you can have 200 basis points you know of return on the asset so from a use case standpoint you know if somebody is growing for them to raise capital they can say that this as a line of business is going to grow i need so much capital to do it and it's a flywheel right so once i start lending a customer will come back for five other things six other things so the flywheel and the glue to keep that customer going is where the financial services products are actually you know stand to gain right and that will continue to sort of uh, happen therefore more and more companies are coming in and, and sort of doing Uh, financial services yeah and last and final question madhu which banks and nbfcs do you admire do you think are actually best placed or well positioned to tackle the growing digital playground 
<laughs> yeah, that's kind of a you know we work with most of the banks, so I don't want to you know get into a trap on this. But yeah. I, you know, generally speaking, I think we have you know uh, to, to where I started, right? I think as a market, uh, we are you know fairly well ahead in terms of how tech ready we are. I mean, to the extent that many of the banks are only 15 years old, right? Like the last set of licenses that came out for a Kotec or IS Bank was like 2002-2003. They're relatively new. So from a from how the Western models are, which are like 50-60 year old banks and 100 year old banks and all that, right? So tech we are reasonably sort of new. Uh, so therefore, I would not, you know, there is still a lot of room to be covered with respect to experiences, you know, the apps getting better and things like that. Uh, but most of the tier one banks are, you know, right up there in terms of what product offering that they make, right? Uh, and you'll be surprised the num- amount of effort that the next tier of banks are putting into actually do that catch up, right? What happens is that, you know, uh, there are some of these banks could be regionally strong. So therefore, they're trying to sort of differentiate themselves by saying, can we become this local, you know, think of it like IPL, right? So can can we have a local, you know, bank, you know, IPL kind of team uh, is where, you know, I think a lot of action is. Fundamentally, we are a business that, you know, hopes and, you know, prays that banks remain as inefficient as they are so that we have a business to run. Uh, but, you know, uh, I can say that difference is like vastly different from what it was, you know, four, four or five years ago with respect to their readiness, their promptness to actually adopt technology and so on and so forth. Yeah. So if you believe in the future of private banking or of the banking space, do check out the banking tracker and banking privately, small cases, which are portfolios of banking private bank and NBSC stocks that you can track and invest in with your favorite brokerage account. Links in the episode description and in the show notes. And that's a wrap on this episode of the Ideas Project. Folks, hope you enjoyed this chat with Madhu and hope you get a better understanding of the banking sector as well as where the fintech bank relationship is headed. Madhu, thank you so much. Really. Thank you so much for sharing you your so insights with our listeners. That's a wrap. Thank you. Thanks, Anupam. If you like this episode, do consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. This podcast is powered by Small Case. We will come back with more insightful conversations to help you achieve a well-rounded investment portfolio. Until then, bye-bye and see you for a brand new episode of the Ideas Project.